Blessings and best wishes. Uh, Reggie Hubbard here. Practice makes purpose episode 11. Um, 11 is my favorite number. Um, so I'm pretty excited about this. And I'm also excited, as crazy as it sounds, to be nearing the end of the series. So as you may or may not know, this was intended to be a summer series and we've had a pretty strong run. Um, but all things end and it's not that I'm excited for it to end, but nothing lasts forever and it's because of that that we make the most of the present moment. So today um, we have a delightful conversation ahead of us about body image, LGBTQIA plus issues um, and just how we can be of service to people in uh, need. Most, most presently, um, Hurricane Ida in Louisiana, but uh, we'll, we'll welcome Mark to the show right now. Mark, welcome. Hey, Reggie, how's it going? Oh, you tell me, like, uh, thank you for being with us in light of current events. Um, and like, what you may or may not know about the show is that I'm a recovering operative. So yoga was my side hustle until I until we beat Trump. And then I was like, let's for a bit like like get my life right and try and help other people get their life right but my mind is always present with current circumstance so blessings to you and yours in louisiana and mississippi um who have been, been impacted by ida um and so talk a little bit about how you're doing where you are and let's talk about like real life first yeah yeah thank you um first of all you know i have to say um i'm safe um, my home is safe. Um, I was, you know, I had the means and the privilege and the ability to evacuate. And so once it started to look like things were going to be bad, I got my cats together and I got the hell out. Um, but there are a lot of people who did not have the ability to do that. Um, and the biggest reason people don't evacuate is hundred miles away, stay in a hotel, buy enough food right. for your family, et cetera especially at the end of the month, you know, money, money can be tight for folks. Um, and so there's a lot of people that are in need right now. Um, and there's been a lot of attention on New Orleans um, for a lot of good reasons, right? New Orleans is the population center of Southeast Louisiana. Um, New Orleans power grid completely destroyed at this point. Um, and there's a lot of bad things happening in New Orleans, but a lot of good things happening too, because there's a lot of community and infrastructure and, and neighbors helping one another. Um, but in the more coastal regions, the more rural places, um, things are not as, as good. Um, so places that you may not hear about on the news, places like Grand Isle, um, Dulac, Homa, Laplace, um, Lafitte, Jean Lafitte, all these, these little places um, that not many people know about. Um, people have lost everything. And in those, those small communities, those are, are largely um, indigenous communities and also communities where people have lived for generations, um, you know, uh, where, where settlers have lived for generations. And so um, things are really bad. <laughs> Um, and that's about all I'm able to verbalize at this point, right? Um, people won't have homes to go to. People were rescued from their roofs. Um, people won't have power or water for at least a month, maybe more. It's really hot right now. Um, and so the best thing that anyone can do, um, if you have the means, is to, to donate and to send money. Um, you know, 
it, during a disaster, money is the most valuable resource. And there's lots of ways that you can do that. I have links in my uh, bio on, on um, Instagram, places where folks can donate to. Imagine Waterworks is a really great organization based out of New Orleans that does a lot of mutual aid work. They're, um, you know, native black trans led organizations. So they, um, you know, they meet people where they are um, to get them the help that they need. Um, but there's also uh, some links in, in my bio as well, where you could donate directly to indigenous groups um, that need support as well. Um, and those, you know, um, the people that are forgotten in everyday life are the same folks who get forgotten during disasters as well. And so um, if you have the ability to uh, donate to organizations that are not the Red Cross or the Salvation Army, I would encourage you to do that. And I know that not everybody has the extra cash, right? We're in the, still in the midst of a global pandemic, the greatest challenge that any of us have faced in our lifetime, perhaps, in terms of ongoing crisis. And so I know that not everybody has the, the means to be able to send money. Um, but if you're someone who prays, send prayers. If you're an energy healer, send energy. Um, if you're someone who can open up your home and, and offer someone a place to stay, look into ways to do that um, because there's a lot of people that need your support right now. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. for Continue to do this. Uh, thank you for talking about what you did talk about and what you were able to verbalize mm -hmm. so open heartedly uh, because I believe that that um, I know for me is my yoga and meditation practice has given me the space to be open hearted, even when everything's upside down. Um, or especially when things are upside down. Uh, so, like, thank you for demonstrating, like, the, the fruits of your practice there because you are evacuated now, right? Like, I'm, you, yeah. That, that, that's your, that, those are your people, that's your place, mm -hmm. that's your, like, and it's under distress and duress. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being able to share what you just did. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for, thank you for having me and thank you for holding the space, um, you know, in my honor, and like I um, my phone keeps falling. Um, that's just I think a metaphor for life. We um, yeah. <laughs> we fall, we get back up. The, uh, Absolutely. But what I wanted to talk about today, of course, is like your work um, out, outside of where you're from. Mm -hmm. And so, tell me a little bit about how you fell into this yoga world. Like, how does someone even want to start something called Fat Kids Yoga Club? Like. Tell me a little bit more about your journey um, yeah. in general. Yeah, I'm more than, more than happy to talk about that. Um, I came to yoga, or so many folks in the West in general do, is, you know, I was in a point of crisis in my life. Um, 2015 was a really difficult year for me. Um, in that period, uh, I lost my dad and both of my grandfathers in a nine-month period. Um, so there was a lot of lot of uh, chaos in my life personally, and a lot of grief, and also work at the time was really stressful, um, and I was really um, you know under the gun with a lot of things, and I wasn't myself. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't sleeping. I was you know really reactive. I wasn't really fun to be around, and I knew that something needed to change, right? And so. I heard that, that yoga could help with that. <laughs> and so that's what kind of brought me to yoga. Um, you know, I started doing these like relaxation for sleep videos. It was, you know, somebody I found on YouTube and it worked, you know, within a week I was, I was falling asleep.
feeling a little. There's something, something to be said here. There's something with it. Um, and from there, you know, I, it just kept getting more curious about, well, what is this yoga thing, right? Like what else might it look like in my life? Um, and eventually I made it into a studio uh, where I live, you know, I'm in a small town, uh, Hammond, Louisiana, and we've got one yoga studio, right? So I made my way into the yoga studio and that's uh, how I got started really with my practice. And about a year later, they had a teacher training. And honestly, the reason I signed up for the teacher training was because as someone in a larger body, my body moves differently. My body works differently. And um, I wanted to take the teacher training just so that I could learn more about like, well, what are these postures actually? What am I what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, or, or how can I better support myself in my practice? Right. So I went into the teacher training, not necessarily thinking that I was going to become a teacher, um, but gathering tools, you know, for myself to support myself in the practice. And by the time I was done, I was like, wait a minute, there are other people like me who have the same experience as me in, in yoga studios. And I want to be able to offer them support. Um, so fast forward a little bit more in 2017 is really when I started uh, Fat Kid Yoga Club mm -hmm. or what has now become Fat Kid Yoga Club. And it's really just a, a space for people like me, people that are in bigger bodies, people who, um, you know, spent most of their life being ashamed of their body for one reason or another to really just have some space to get back into the body um, and try to have some fun, you know. For me, um, most of my life movement was punishment, right? It was punishment for being fat or have eating, been, having eaten too much. Right. And through yoga, I've found movement as like joy, right? Like I can have fun in my body. And, you know, that's what I like to, that's what I want to bring to other people, right? I want to share that experience with as many folks as I can. And so that's really, you know, what Fat Kid Yoga Club is about. Um, you know, because of the pandemic, it's all online now, right? <laughs> We're, uh, you know, I've got a website you can check out, fatkidyogaclub.com. You can practice live with me whenever I get back home. Uh, <laughs> or you can, there's lots of videos, you know, you can practice with me, uh, you know, my past self that's been saved in, in YouTube forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what Fat Kid Yoga Club's about. It's like, you know, let's, let's just have fun in these bodies that we have, um, the body is just so amazing. I'm like really inspired by a lot of the work that Adrian Marie Brown does around pleasure activism. Right. And it's like, we've got these electrified meat suits that like are capable of experiencing all kinds of joy and pleasure and sensation. And we live in this society that just tells us to not right. Like just like constantly punish your body, constantly like cut yourself off from pleasure and joy. And it's like, no, I think we need a little bit more joy and pleasure in our lives <laughs> right so I, I love what you said i mean one of the reasons that i'm so out loud in general is that like i'm bigger as well right like taller and wider than most and um when i started practicing asana not yoga asana mm -hmm. like um i consider myself a yogi that teaches um it just wasn't for me right you know what i mean like i'm not a former dancer you know what i mean like i was never in gymnastics like i was never in these like the norm that happens in the united states specifically that was never me and so like luckily like i have a bit of a contrarian spirit and was just like i'm gonna make a space like whatever like i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out but not everyone has that um uh, 
gumption, for lack of better terminology. So like props to you for the work that you do in the space that you create to show people that this is for us too. Like that, that's just an amazing thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and one of the things that I, I talk about um, from time to time as well is that, you know, yoga studios, wellness spaces in general are just hostile places for people in larger bodies. Um, and, you know, you don't even feel welcome. Like, like as, as, a, as a fat person, you may not even feel like you deserve to be in a yoga studio in that space. You kind of shame yourself out of the door before you even get there. Right. right. Like the, in your mind, because you look around and you, you see, oh, um, well, all of the people who do yoga are, you know, this size or, or have this kind of body. And, and that's not me. And I couldn't possibly do that. And so the other side of my work is just trying to be visible, trying to show that there are people in different body types that are, are doing yoga and uh, yoga asanas particularly. And I'm not the only one doing this work, right? You know, you've got people like Diane Bondi and Amber Carnes and, and Michael Hayes, who've been doing this work for years, well, before I even knew what yoga was, they were doing the work. And there's other folks like Jessamine Stanley that's doing the work now. And, um, you know, my friend Andrea, <laughs> is, is I just saw her in here. There's lots of folks doing this work. And it's, it's actually really exciting to see how many, um, you know, fat folks are out there doing yoga um, on the internet and, and letting folks know um, that we're here. Yeah, I love that you brought in other, other people who have been doing the work. Mm -hmm. This is nothing new per se. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that the brigade has gotten a little bit stronger mm -hmm. and a little bit more militant for, for, for yeah. lack of terminology. Like, I, know I, I for one, um, when people try and say, you must do this, like part of the reason that I do my thing, mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, I teach Hatha. Because if I do hella vinyasa, it hurts my shoulders. I'm huge. You know what I mean? So like, and, and I, I mention it that way. I'm just like, it's not that I can't do it. It's that if I do it, it's a lot of pressure on these shoulders, which aren't necessarily designed to have this much pressure in general, much less with the weight that I carry. Right. So like I, what Yoga Austin has done for me is given me like awareness of how to carry myself. And I, I want to tease out something that you said a little bit earlier, like that I think most people who aren't in bigger bodies don't understand. Like you said, people shame themselves out of the door, shame themselves out of a situation. Unpack that a little bit more for people who may not understand like the unintentional harm that may be caused by certain norms. Yeah, and, and so I'll speak from my own experience, right? Um, you know, I've, I've always, always been a fat person, always. Um, and personally for me, because movement was always sort of this, this form of punishment, like there was always shame associated with it. It was like, um, you need to do this so that you can make yourself smaller because the way you are right now is bad. Um, and from that, like anything that's like a wellness space, doctor's office, a gym, a yoga studio, for me, for the longest time in my life, and even still today, is like stepping into hostile territory, right? It's like walking into a space where you know that your body is not going to be the normative body, perhaps, and that people are may or may not react to you, right? So a lot of it is like internal dialogue stuff, right? Like I had to really um, make peace with myself to, to move forward in, in my, my yoga journey. But, you know, um, yoga studios they, I mean, they're, they're an extension of gym culture, 
Right. Uh, there's, there's a lot of emphasis on like fitness, whatever that means. Um, some of the more egregious things that yoga studios will do are like, you know, I see these yoga studios that have, um, detox and, and, um, you know, fasting programs, and they really sort of orient themselves towards diet culture in ways that, like, are openly hostile to me, right? Like if you are actually in your studio selling programs that say that fat bodies are bad, well then I'm not going to go to your business, right? And there are studios, um, you know, that I've practiced at before, not locally to where I am um, in Louisiana, but there are studios that I will never practice at again, places that I had practiced at because they, they're doing these really harmful things. And I'm like, I'm not gonna subject myself to that, right? I'm not going to, to be there and do that. The other thing too, is it may seem like really minor, but if you, it, if you have a physical yoga space or if you have any sort of yoga space and you're selling um, merchandise, like you're selling t-shirts and, and clothing and stuff, I mean, most, peop most people aren't gonna fit into a small right? Like make sure that you have inclusive sizing and inclusive sizing doesn't mean that you carry extra large, right? Like you need to be carrying 4X, 5X, 6X if possible. Like you need to, like anybody who is part of your community should be able to buy a shirt if they want to buy a shirt, right? And yoga is so much that, you know, it's, it's so much more than being about the ability to buy shirts. But, <laughs> um, you know, part of that community feel though, right? Like I have had more than, than one occasion where it's like, I want to support a business. I want to support a community that I'm part of. And wearing a shirt is a great way to do that. It's, you know, it's, you know, we're a materialist society for better or for worse. And, right. and sh having a shirt to support feels good, but, oh, it's not in my size, right? right. You know, I'm immediately left out. Like you don't even imagine me as part of your community. Um, and, and this is a dialogue that's really happening in, in sort of the fat liberation spaces these days about size inclusion and clothing and things like that um, as well. Um, so all of that needs to be happening in yoga spaces as well. Right, I, lo I love everything that you said there um, <laughs> in that people don't even think about it. I mean, like, um, and most people don't understand and how what that can do to someone psychologically like you work up the energy to come to the space mm -hmm. you get into the space you maybe have a good time in the class or whatever you're feeling good about yourself hey man i want to support this oh you only have extra small mm -hmm. <gasps> yeah. right i know i know yeah. in my experience it was just like okay so i got to this place of acceptance and then i go back down into like whatever mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's, it's an industry wide problem. You know, I could beat up on Lululemon if I want. Um, and so I might take a moment to do that. But I mean, Lululemon for the longest time, actively resisted having plus size um, lines, because they didn't want fat people wearing their clothes. And we're right about that. Yeah. And so now Lululemon is trying to be more progressive. So I think they, they might carry up to like 2x or something like that. But I mean, you're still leaving a whole lot of people out, right? Like, like, and they're doing it intentionally, right? Like they have, they have an image and they're trying to present a very specific thing. And, and so they leave a lot of people out in doing that. Um, and so under, if you're a yoga, go ahead. Under the name of yoga. Under the name of yoga. Yeah. So like in my mind, like if you're a yoga community, 
um, whether it's online or it's a, or it's a physical space, then like you should really want everyone in your community to be part of that, right? And it includes things like having um, you know seating that people in larger bodies can sit in, right? So that might mean having chairs that don't have arms, having you know they make actually wider chairs, um, having chairs that could support the weight of someone in a larger body having yoga props available, right? And and having the props available and accessible to everyone. I've been in yoga studios before where I went to go get props and I was told, oh, you're not gonna need those. And I'm like, you don't know me, right? Like, like I, I may or may not need them, but I want them near me because I know how to use them if I need them. Right. And so, you know, a lot of the physical layout of yoga spaces can be hard for folks in larger bodies. And I don't think we talk about that a lot. Um, you know, having, uh, if you have an upstairs studio and people have to climb stairs, you may actually need an elevator. Um, how wide are your doorways and your hallways and your walkways? Like, is it easy for people to navigate? Because, um, you know, as a person in a larger body, I'm always aware of how much more space I take up right. and how much more difficult it is for me to navigate um, social spaces, like physical space. Right. No, I love everything that you're bringing to the floor here. <laughs> um, and these are the things that most people don't think about. And like, so the, the, the purpose of this entire experience mm -hmm. is to bring to life things that are glossed over. Uh, so another thing I want to ask you is like, you don't just talk about like um, Fat Kid Yoga Club, like you're also very um, pronounced about LGBTQIA issues. So talk, yeah. let's talk a little bit about that in terms of like how mainstream yoga doesn't even consider that to some extent. Um, and so I'll just let you opine yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm queer. Um, I, there really isn't a word for how I think about my gender these days. I think non-binary might come closest to that. Um, you know, I've, for a long time, I understood myself as like gay, um, but queer is, is much better <laughs> of a word these days. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways, I think the yoga world is getting to be an easier place for like mainstream like lesbian, gay, bisexual people. I mm. think where some of the bigger the the bigger spaces for improvement uh, really come for being trans inclusive. Sure. Um, and so I did a lot of work with the Trans Yoga Project um, last year. I, I was one of their founding members, but had to step away to take care of myself. Um, and so you know the Trans Yoga Project is really doing some amazing work. Spectrum Wellness out of uh, Austin, Texas, is really doing some amazing work to, you know, really push the dialogue on trans inclusion and in yoga spaces. Um, and a lot of it comes down to like physical things that we've already talked about, right? So it's like, you know, if you're if you're selling clothing in your yoga space, like maybe try not gendering it, right? Like when you have like a men's and women's section that gets hard for people to navigate who um, may not necessarily fit those boxes in the way that everybody imagines them to be making right. sure that there are like changing spaces that are available for trans and, and gender expansive people. Um, and also just like as yoga teachers knowing about, you know, trying not to be so essentialist in your, your cueing and your language and assuming that, you know, everybody's gender in the room um and 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 you know cueing about body parts can be tricky 
Um, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's so much that could be said on um, learning how to, you know, be truly inclusive, because it's one thing to say, oh, you know, we welcome everyone here, right? Like, I, I think every yoga studio I've ever been to or walked past says, all are welcome here to some degree. But are they really right? Like, what are you doing? What is the work that you're doing to make sure that your space is welcoming to everyone, right to black and brown people to fat people to, um, you know, trans people, there's a lot of work to be done. And if you're not doing that work, and you're not willing to do that work, then you really need to question, you know, your role in in the community, and if you should be, be holding space, um, you know, because just because you want to play yoga studio um, doesn't mean that that you have the right to do that, right? Because people can cause a lot of harm, right? right? Just because it's like, oh, I have the the financial means to open a yoga studio and I love yoga, so let me go and do it and everything's going to be wonderful and happy. Yeah, for some people, it may be really happy and wonderful, but like really actually do the work so that you can hold space. And that's something that I try to do um, in my work uh, with Fat Kid Yoga Club all of the time. Right. right. It's thinking about who who am I leaving out? How do I better include people? Um, and knowing that I have a lot of work to do myself. Right. There are a lot of things that that I'm working towards. Um, and that should be true, I think, in in yoga land in general. Right. We we're we're moving forward in our practices, but we also need to be moving forward in how we hold space for others. Yeah, I love that um like if, if my attention was diverted because i'm writing down stuff i'm like ah <laughs> right so like who am i leaving out and who can i better include i think um are two key questions that everyone should ask all the time in general i mean you know i'm, I'm, I'm a recovering activist right so like you know so like i would always have that in my mind i was like so this policy who is it leaving out who can it better include, and how can we get them to the table to have these discussions? Like, so that that was the way that I, my my mind worked in my political activism, um, and especially in terms of the context of what you mentioned in terms of yoga studio as a community endeavor. Like, if it's a studio at your house and you just invite your friends, that's one thing. But like, if it's like a community endeavor, then I would think that you would want to make it somewhat accessible, if not all the way accessible to yeah. the community, which isn't, the community isn't necessarily people who look like you, who act like you. Exactly, right. Um, and and that's a message that I think everyone needs to hear. And it, it's, it's easy, I think, sometimes to beat up on yoga studios, <laughs> I, I find myself, it's easy to critique from the outside. And, you know, um, it's not like yoga studios are there, um, you know, making billions of dollars. There are a few, right? Um, but we saw how quickly some of the big players closed up shop in the beginning of the pandemic, right? They, right. they evaporated. Right. And a big reason for that is because their, their communities are not very wide. They rely right. on a very narrow um, audience of customers to keep themselves open. And if you're doing that, then, you know, your business isn't going to be very resilient for the long term, right? Your community isn't going to be resilient for the long term if you're leaving out more people than you're letting in the door. Um, and so, you know, I can empathize now that I am like, you know, an online yoga studio myself, I can empathize with people who are who are trying to do the work, who don't have all the answers, who are trying to, you know, do the best that they can. Right. 
And also there's that understanding that there's more work to be done, right? Like, like um, always more work to be done. Right. I love that. Uh, so uh, as we near our time, I knew this was going to happen. Like, yeah. I knew we were going to run out of time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but as we near conclusion, um, I want to ask you what, what is one or what are one or two things that people can do right now to shift their perspective or to be more inclusive in their thought patterns for not only bodies, but identities and those sorts of things. We talked about it like in macrocosm, but if you can leave folks with like some bite-sized things that they can do right now Ooh. to help them be more inclusive, not just with their words, but with their mindset mm -hmm. and their activities. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the most important things that anyone can do, and this is a little bit more oriented towards, towards bodies, is taking time to journal or reflect, and, I, and, and this is like doing the internal work first, and really interrogate your relationship to diet culture, um, you know, and, and interrogate your relationship to anti-fatness. What, what are your biases about bodies? Um, and start identifying some of those things within yourself um, and, and bring that to your awareness, right? Uh, big part, a big part of our practice is awareness. Um, and bring right. that to your awareness so that you can start identifying how those internal things that you have about fatness and diet culture are showing up in your space, showing up in your classes and start nixing it, right? Like, like if you, if you say something in your classes regularly, I've heard this before, like, oh, just 10 more seconds so that we can work off those extra cookies that you ate or something like that. And it's like, you know, hold that plank a little bit longer. Um, maybe don't do that, right? <laughs> right? Like, maybe don't do that, right? Like, but I think it really has to come from within. Like, you, like, so much of, so many of the changes in my life have really, it's been changing myself within and then being able to approach my community in a better way. Um, and so you really have to identify those, those, nasty toxic things that are within you when it comes to bodies just like with race right like we're people who look like me are doing a lot right now to interrogate you know <laughs> uh and and do our our anti-racism work or at least i hope you are right like i hope that you're you're doing that work if you look like me right. um but we also need to be doing our anti-fatness work like we need to need to be unpacking that and and thinking about like how do we become a more not just body positive, but but body liberated, fat liberated world, um, because we don't have these bodies for very long, right? Right, right. So might as well enjoy them while we have them. I mean, you ain't said nothing but a word. Um, is there anything that um, you want to vote um, um, in general or specifically as we conclude? So how can we support you? How can we support your community? Um, again, for those of you who joined late. Um, Mark is from New Orleans, like from the New Orleans, from Louis, from Louisiana. Um, and for those who are paying attention, like um, the Southeast uh, Louisiana got like rocked by another storm. Um, and just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean it didn't happen to us, right? So yeah. like, like, how can we be more supportive of you, like with your work and your community? Yeah, I mean, uh, folks, you know, can practice with me on Fat Kid Yoga Club. Just go to fatkidyogaclub.com. I've got equity pricing, so, you know, basically fits anyone's budget if you want to support me in that way. Um, more than welcome to, to grow my community at any point. 
Um, but you know, your money, honestly, right now might be better directed to uh, folks who are, in, who are in need. I would encourage you to support um, organizations like Imagine Waterworks. Um, there are, you know, several mutual aid organizations that are at work. Um, if you go to my Instagram profile, Fat Kid Yoga Club, you can find it easily. Um, there's lots of options for places to, to send your money. Um, and if you don't have money, like I said, send prayers and send, send energy, um, send love our way because, um, you know, our region has been recovering. Last year, we had a record number of, of hurricanes make landfall. Um, people are still cleaning up from last year and, and now have another mess to clean up as well. And so um, people in Louisiana are strong, but, um, you know, nobody is is completely uh, invincible. Yeah, and we're in this together, right? Like, um, we one thing that if the pandemic taught us nothing, it taught us that we're connected, yeah. right? And, like, if we don't view ourselves as connected and try and do this by ourselves... Like yikes! Yeah, absolutely. Not even, absolutely. not even a. That's not a good look, as the kids say these days. Yeah. Um, so, is there? Would you care like lead us in a closing breath practice or something? Um, and then what, I have all these singables, like, and so I can't have eighty singables behind me and not play them. Um, so how about you lead us in breath? I'll lead us in sound, and then we'll be out. All right, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Cool. And so if you're in a place where you can sit comfortably, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, I'm probably going to close my eyes just because that feels good to me. And these days, it feels good for me to place like a hand on my heart and a hand on my belly just to have that sort of internal connection. And it just feels good to place my hand on my heart. It's like comforting. It's like, you know, when you're a baby. And so I like to take a nice deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth, letting it go. And maybe I'll take another one. And why don't we make it three, inhaling through the nose, exhaling out the mouth. And then letting it go, not trying to control the breath, beginning to let it be, noticing the pace and texture of your breath today. Asking yourself, what does it feel like to inhale in my body? What does the exhale feel like? And you're welcome to remain here. As long as it's comfortable for you, I call this checking in with my rhythm. I can feel my heart. I can feel the rise and fall of the breath. And I appreciate you for being with us. I appreciate you, Reggie, for holding space. Sharing that connection with one another. Mark, thank you for that beautiful experience. Um, since this is the 11th show and 11 is my magic number, I'm going to read, uh, ring this 11 times. And so um, this is a D in the third octave, which is a grounding tone. 
Um, so for everyone who is upended for whatever reason, whether it be the coronavirus, mm -hmm. whether it be disasters, whether it be social dislocation, maybe you're just having a shitty Wednesday, like whatever, whatever it is, like may these tones bring you peace and may, you know, one of the aspects of my practice that I like to offer is yoga for me is a, well, a community practice. So may the merit of our practice be of service to you. Right, so may everything that Mark and I discussed be of service to you. Like it's not for me, it's for you, right? So may the merit of the peace in this bell and the peace that we cultivated in this conversation be of service to all who listen to it in real time and afterwards, 11 times. sound fades away may it last in your mind and in the deeper breath that hopefully it engendered within you love grace and peace to you mark to all who watch this stay tuned for the next episode which will probably be the last one um but until next time practice makes purpose over and out mark thank you thank you